Right, and we have kicked off. It is the podcast play on your football podcast every other week. Don't forget to hit us up on social media at podcast play on at beer rap and banner. Uh, sorry, at beer rap bants. Um, myself, Ben English, hosting. We currently have Cal. How you doing, Cal? All good, sir. How you doing yourself? Yeah, very well. Thank you. Very well. Thank you. Thank you for providing all the content and making everything run smoothly. And we've got Ash, who's currently choosing these life decisions of going with uh, Vidra instead of Chris Wood. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so I didn't have no more money in my account, but flipping hell. Yeah, man. Like, hat trick for Chris Wood so far. Crazy. Call him, Crazy. Call him a tripod. Yay. Yeah, I did, didn't I? <laughs> I did, I did, I did. Just leave the... I like it. I like it. Right. Um, as always, you know, thank you for listening. And as we get you through the week with uh, the fixture list, results, upcoming fixtures, massive games coming up midweek and all the current news, especially with the proposed talks of the Super League across Europe and how the fans have protested rightfully against it in England. Right. Moving forward. Uh, Corona 11, Ash, over to you. A new edition. Yeah, Sergio Ramos, um, probably one of the most decorated footballers um, in modern football. Um, I think he can just about get a game, just just about. Um, yeah, so him, he'll probably partner Varane, actually, because remember the last time we were on, Varane um, was down with COVID. So, yeah, let's maybe slip those two in as a, as a centre-back pairing. Nice. And we'll be talking about Ramos and Madrid later on with their upcoming fixture to Chelsea in the Champions League. Right, kick-starting Premier League. Games on Friday evening. Um, Arsenal, our beloved Arsenal, still loving them. Uh, I, I did tweet that the most toxic relationship I'm in is with Arsenal. And uh, no matter what's happening, we keep coming back. Cal, I'm going to pass it to you. Uh, Friday night evening, there was a lot of action outside the ground, which we'll speak about in a moment. But what were your thoughts on sort of Arsenal facing an Everton team that hadn't won in six and a game that seemed to be going out for a draw? And then all of a sudden another Arsenal mistake. Well, well, well. It's it's obviously a frustrating time being an Arsenal fan. You know, you kind of look at this fixture and you think we should be drawing and hopefully getting a win. Arsenal vote, you, you know, we used to slap Everton. I remember one game with Burkamp doing an absolute madness and, you know, I think the score was like six or seven. Um, we just don't have those kinds of players anymore and uh, we don't have that kind of a manager to deliver those kinds of results anymore. I saw a stat earlier, something like uh, during his 22 seasons in charge of Arsenal, Arsene Wenger never finished with less than 63 points. Um, and right now, the maximum points we can get this season is 61 points. So, you know, um, I don't know, man. Focusing specifically on the game... It wasn't a great game of football. Um, there wasn't a lot that I, I would really want to talk about it, to be honest. It was disappointing that Leno kind of made a mistake, which led to the goal. He's definitely slipping into some kind of poor form now. There's been consistent mistakes from him in the last few games across all competitions, really. Um, and uh, so, yeah, we need to do something, man. We might actually need to think about, you know, reinforcing in goal, we're getting another goalkeeper in the summer. Um, we need to think about some recruitment, man. Looking forward, I think for Arsenal fans right now, we have to just be looking forward because what's happening right now with these kinds of results is absolutely terrible. 
Yeah, it was shocking. It was shocking. It was a bit, a bit of a funny game. Ash, I'm going to pass it to you. Did you see the fans, uh, a thousand or so fans or so, meeting up outside the ground to protest, cronky it out? Um, obviously, they're not happy with how the owner uh, is running the club and his sort of planned proposal with other owners for this so-called Super League, European Super League. Um, what were your thoughts on the fans meeting up and then your idea on sort of the, the game and how it panned out? Yeah, so I did see like quite a few people that were down there, knew a few. So like Dan Potts, who's previously been on the podcast, he was down there as well, um, voicing his frustration at the club. <clears throat> it's, it's the right thing to do. I mean, a lot of people are frustrated. A lot of people are just... Yeah, I think I think the this, 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 the Super League thing is something we'll get, we'll get into a little bit later on. But that's just another layer to it. Like, there's been numerous frustrations with the board, with Kroenke. They feel like they haven't kind of like, done enough um, to take money out rather than kind of put things in. They haven't really put money towards players or stuff. Like, lots of financial stories come out um, about Arsenal. We had the people who um, lost their jobs due to COVID and um, furlough. And then there was obviously, like, money kind of coming in and then, We've had players who we, we we didn't play because it would trigger um, a bonus. There's just so many. There's just so many of these stories that just keep leaking out that just show Arsenal just in the worst light. And then we've also got what we see on the pitch as well. So there was a stat this year. So Everton had only beaten Arsenal once in 28 years at um, the, at at home. Um, we beat them 22 times. Um, and Everton literally at home is is like a gimme of a three points for us. And you just knew, like you just you just absolutely knew. I saw the lineup and Ketia up front. Obviously, we've got no Aubameyang, no Lacazette. Um, it was just inevitable. And Cal spoke about Leno. Now, <clears throat> when we had Martinez at the end of last season and we had a choice between the two, I always said I think we should keep Martinez. And I think Martinez has gone on to have a very good season at, at Aston Villa. I've never really been sold on Leno. I don't think he's that good of a goalkeeper. Um, and it's just, it's just a horrific mistake. But we've lost seven games at home this season. The same amount that Arsene Wenger lost in six years at the Emirates. Like it's, just, it's just been the worst season that I can think of. And it's, it's literally just the, um, the Europa League or bust. Like mm. We've got Emery coming up, which we'll preview later on. We've got M- our old manager coming, coming up in the semi-finals potentially one of Roma or United in the finals. If that doesn't happen, then it's just going to be the ultimate car crash of a season. And yeah, there's going to be a massive inquest into why, what, why we are where we are right now. Yeah. Disappointing all, all round. And I think sort of mistakes uh, are then highlighted and they become even more apparent when the team are doing so poorly as a collective. Um, and then, you know, questions start being asked around the whole team. Uh, it should be interesting. Arsenal have Villarreal coming up midweek and then go to Newcastle, who are fighting to stay up. And then also Everton then host Aston Villa the previous day, which should be interesting. Moving on. So uh, talking about another quote unquote top six team who were hosting said team Newcastle um, earlier kickoff. And Mo Salah popped up with an amazing first touch. Hopefully you guys saw it. Our listeners saw it, but sort of early on inside the first five minutes or six minutes, Mane clipped the ball in, uh, deflected header, and then with his first touch, he sort of brought the ball down on the half volley and just fired it home to take it to 20 goals 
for the season. Now, I had him down as the golden boot winner. I think he could still get that. Um, but then Liverpool, again and again, not taking their chances, squandering chance after chance, not putting it to bed. And then that boy, Willock, you know, he's uh, putting himself in the shop window. He's showing Steve Bruce that maybe he should be starting. He's showing Arteta that you need me in the new season. Popped up with a deflected equaliser in the dying seconds of the game to save a point for Newcastle. Um, Kyle, do you think Newcastle are safe? And then what were your views on Liverpool sort of maybe leaving it a bit late to get into the top four? I mean, it's kind of looking that way. Like when you take a look at the table, Newcastle sitting in 15th with 36 points. Um... And, you know, really it's just Brighton and Burnley that are that could maybe finish above them, you'd think. And they're actually on the same amount of points as Southampton, above them in 14th. But Southampton do have the game in hand. Um, so it's possible that Newcastle could finish higher than where they are now. Maybe Brighton could, or Burnley could catch them up. But I, I, I doubt any of the bottom three are going to change, to be honest. Um, Fulham did seem to be getting a little bit of momentum together. Um but, uh, I, I, yeah, I, I don't know if they're going to actually be able to make it out of that bottom three, to be honest with you. Um, so I think Newcastle are going to be safe as long as as long as they don't get any key injuries, because we know that uh, St. Maximum has been absolutely brilliant for them with his skills. Um, Almiron does well linking up in the attack as well. Joe Linton, he missed an absolutely that I, for me, I thought. That was a cute edge chance that he should have scored against Liverpool. I thought he should have put that across the goalkeeper, just just into the, you know, or either side. He could have gone either side of the goalkeeper. I was going to say he could have gone across the goalkeeper, but he could have gone to the, the near, near side, the near post as well. But he just needed to put the ball either side of the keeper and he shot it straight at him. And that's the frustrating thing about Joe Linton. He does get himself into goal-scoring opportunities at times, but his finishing is poor. Um, so, you know, if Wilson can stay fit... Wilson is someone who will put the ball in the back of the net. I think he was unlucky to uh, to have his goal ruled out by VAR mm. um, for what seems like just like an, an absolute foolishness with the rules. Maybe they need to change the rules if if something like the ball kind of hitting your arm can stop you from scoring a goal, which looked like a completely legitimate goal to me. Maybe that's something that the FA need to look at. Um, but yeah, as long as Wilson can stay fit. And he can bang in goals up front. St. Maximum can create Almiron. And, you know, you've got the young boy Willock chipping in with late goals, coming off the bench, acting as like a super sub as well. I mean, for me, Newcastle look like they're in pretty decent shape. And Liverpool trying to get top four. Do you think that that chance has gone now? Boy, I mean, anything's possible. I think we've seen this season that that phrase, anything is possible, is definitely applicable. Um, the only thing that probably isn't possible is Manchester City not winning the league. I think we'd all agree that the league title's gone. It's just and second place. It's just going to be what's going to happen with the rest of the top four. So in a similar way, where I feel like Newcastle need to make sure that, or they need to be lucky with injuries. I think that's the same for Leicester as well. We kind of saw how their goals dried up a bit um, when uh, Vardy was injured, and then when he came back, you know, he hasn't really been. The same old Vardy, but, you know, he has picked up the one or two goals here or there, um, scored this weekend as well. So, you know, maybe more goals from him, more goals from Ian Nacho, and maybe they will be able to maintain their position. But Chelsea are looking very strong. The defence is strong. You know, they're not messing around. You've got um, West Ham 
kind of knocking on the door. I mean, I'm not so sure about West Ham as a top four contender. I did say before, I think that like because the season is more of a marathon, I did think that the teams that would finish in the top four would be the most experienced teams, teams that are equipped to do it. With like They've got a manager that's been there and done it. They've got the squad where they've got two good players in every position. You know, the likes of City and United. Yes. Chelsea. Yes. Leicester, couple of injuries. When you rotate the squad, who comes in? Will they be able to maintain it? Same with West Ham. Liverpool, I think we've seen this season now that they don't have the squad. They don't have two good players in every position. They've tried signing Kabak and bringing in the guy from um, the championship. Who I don't think he's played yet, actually. Um, but I, I'm not so sure how successful their new defenders have been. I don't think they're getting anywhere close to the level that they want to be at defensively. Um, and offensively, you know, the goals have dried up from the likes of Salah and Mane. Salah still chips in, but he's not, you know, I guess you could call him a victim of his own quality if you're going to critique him um, because he's not at the same consistent high standard that he has been for so many years now this season, um, although he still has a good return. Um, and uh, I, I mean, I'm not going to look any lower than, than Liverpool, Um but I do think that for Liverpool to get into the top four, it's possible. Anything is possible, but it's it's difficult. Leicester are going to have to really fall off. I can't see them beating Chelsea. Um, maybe Liverpool can get above West Ham. Um, but uh, we'll see, man. We'll see. OK. <laughs> All to play for. Thank you, Cal. Um, just speaking of Chelsea then, Thomas Tuchel said he uh, Chelsea players need to trust themselves in their upcoming fixture against Real Madrid, but was amazed at their first half performance against West Ham. Uh, Timo Werner finally scoring, getting on the scorecard there with a great ball by Ben Chilwell pulling it back. And a um, bit of a funny game, Ash, I felt, with a, with a red card, which I felt was really harsh on West Ham. Um, I didn't think that was deserved at all. And again, VAR further ruining the game, um, Arsenal had a, a really slight offside decision, which was given as leading up to the penalty, uh, which was chalked off. And then uh, Callum Wilson's ball to hand as he bundled the ball over against Liverpool. And now with the red card, uh, Bal- Balbina, um, mm. the follow through deemed as dangerous play. And just as West Ham was sort of trying to mount up a uh, comeback, but Chelsea seen it through and another clean sheet. So, Thanks to all the fantasy football uh, people taking part with Mendy and Aspilicueta and Chilwell. So another clean sheet and Chelsea looking sh- very strong. What are your thoughts on this uh, London derby? Large at Rudiger, my Jenna. Um, <laughs> nah, to be honest, I think <clears throat> the sending off is, is really unfair. And I think it's not actually to blame VAR. you got to blame the people who run VAR and the, the people that made the decision. So VAR will just be like, go and review it. You then make a decision. And I think common sense because because technology is in football people want to just rely on it all the time and you always have to kind of like apply a level of common sense to it there was nowhere else he could kind of like plant his foot it wasn't in any way or shape or form like deliberate or anything like that and i just think you have to <clears throat> kind of look at these things understand that these things are going to kind of going to happen in terms of the result i think it's good for i think it's it's obviously it's a great result for um for Chelsea, it's not the worst result for West Ham because what you got to factor in is they've got arguably one of their best players out in Cresswell. They're also missing Declan Rice, who's kind of big. And I think whenever Martin Noble's in there, he's as much as he's like an, an, a club legend, 
um, an amazing servant. He just doesn't kind of give them what Declan Rice has been giving them this season. Obviously, Antonio's been out. Um, then like Jesse Lingard has kind of come in, been in great form. Just Dawson was suspended as well. Like whenever a team like West Ham loses three or four players, for them to even still have lost one, no one still be in in that like, in the game for so long, it's it says a lot. The Liverpool result is is good for them as well, in the sense that they haven't like other teams haven't gained, gained too much ground on them um um too much as well. So they're still very much there. It's in it's in their own hands. Um I think it's not bad for them. But yeah, Chelsea, I think great kind of setup for them to kind of happen. Werner scoring as well. Um yeah, no, it was, it was good like good result. Good result. Like he they've been just quietly getting about their work, not looking spectacular, not playing like flowing football with the exception of the Crystal Palace game where they beat them four one. But but yeah, the, the only thing with Chelsea, he's he's becoming a bit like Pep. It's a bit like a Tuchel um, roulette as well. You just don't know who he's gonna play, who he's gonna start. This time it was Werner Pulisic and Mount. He's played Havertz as the false nine. Giroud can't make the bench. But they still got Ziyech, they got Hudson. What do you think Rigoy. about um what do you think about Havertz in this uh, false nine role? <sighs> so looking at what he did in Germany, he kind of played as like kind of a hybrid between that a ten and an eight, but just with license to do whatever he wants to kind of do. When you're a false nine, you have a bit more license to kind of drift and go into certain areas and pick up pockets because you should hopefully have runners. And you don't play up against the centre back. You play in an, you play in the area in between the lines, right? So that would speak to him as a player. But then my worry is, who are the two behind him? Because if he's consistently dropping back, you need people to run beyond him. Mm. So I think if you've got like say Pulisic and Werner behind him as a false nine, I think it works really really well. But then I think sometimes if they play that Vincent Ziyech and I don't know, say that they play Ziyech and say Mount, only Mount's going to go beyond him. So I think he, they, they need to get the right balance. I, th- I think he can do it. I just think they need to get the right balance to ensure that he you can get the best out of him. Mm. There's, um, they're also on three sort of uh, runs now, FA Cup, League, in terms of Champions League, and in a really important semi-final appearance. So the fact he's... Uh, Juggled the, the rotation round has been really good. I know sort of you're saying Pep Roulette, but he has gone. Mm. I mean, he threw a bit of a curveball playing Kepa for a bit instead of Mendy. Um, mm. But he's he's pretty much gone for some of the old guard in uh, the, the, the the defenders, and he's, he he goes small and sharp and nippy midfielders and strikers, didn't he? So he's not mm. really trusted Giroud or Tammy. I know Tammy got about five minutes yesterday, and he maybe should have scored towards the end, but. Um, but yes. even what's weird as well is like, so like even like the fullbacks <clears throat> and so the wingbacks, he's obviously got James. He's played Callum Callum Hudson Odoi there, but then yesterday he played Aspilicueta there and played three like normal centre backs in Christensen, mm. um, Thiago Silva, and then Rudiger. He's rotating Chilwell and Alonso. So yeah, they do have a lot of games. He's making sure that everyone stays fresh. But like I said, for fantasy manager. <laughs> or you don't know who's really going to play. So I've got Rudiger. I don't know if he's going to play against Fulham next week. I hope he does. <laughs> um, but yeah, but he seems to be doing it well. And whenever you're winning and you're rotating, no one says anything. It's when mm. you don't, your, your objectives, it's like you're doing too much. Yeah. Whereas right now he's got the right balance. So credit to him. I think tactician as well, 
12th man was our guest last week uh, the other podcast sorry about sort of he's a master tactician and he'll, he'll put players in a formation in according to the team so it'll be interesting to see he'll go with against Real Madrid in the week with probably a lot of width and just just direction so moving forward we had a game the Sheffield United finally getting a win uh, Brighton needing something and unfortunately for Brighton fans not able to answer back to McGoldrick's 19th minute strike Sheffield United getting some points in the board but obviously too little too late um, Brighton there or thereabouts on 34 points with a game in hand over Burnley who are playing now and this Burnley game seems to be pretty much in the bag 3-0 up as we enter the second half which then puts Brighton sort of dangerously close to the bottom three um, I mean you know Cal, just quickly, can you see Brighton getting sucked into that uh, scrap with Fulham, or do you think they've maybe got a bit bit much to pull away? Not really, you know. I think um, Graham Potter's doing a great job down there. Um, I'm actually quite quite impressed by what Brighton have done this season, considering the resources they have at their disposal. Um, I think we can all agree that when they brought in that Tariq Lanty, that was a great signing, and it was just unfortunate for them that he got injured so early on in the season because he was looking like an absolutely sensational player and he was really important for the way that they played. Um, I thought Ben White coming in was a good signing for them mm, as well. Definitely. Um, and um, I, I don't know, for me, Basuma's a funny one because every time I've seen him, he hasn't had the best game, but people speak very highly of him. Um, I would just maybe want to see a bit more in product, a bit a few, like more of his shots going in target. He had a shot uh, the other day where it was, he just dragged it wide. And I, and, I, and it was, every time I see something like that, it makes me think, why do people keep talking this guy up? Like, they're overhyping him. He's not as good as they say he is. But maybe I just need to watch him more because people do seem to really like him. Yeah, I think he does um, a good job. He's been he's been consistent. But, yeah, I think maybe their problem, the problem that they have is is a lack of goals, you know, more paid chips in goals. You know, Welbeck is a player that does great work off the ball but doesn't maybe chip in with as many goals as you'd want a striker to do. I mean, Arsenal fans would know all about that, wouldn't they? But he is, he's a good player. Um, and Trossard, is, you know, he's got a bit of tech as well. You know, he, he can create. They've got a good squad and a good manager. Oh. And I think that their form, you know, if you look at their recent form, it's actually not great. I mean, yeah. there's a few draws in there. There's a couple of L's. Um, losing to Sheffield United is... I mean, I don't think anyone saw that coming. Me personally, I put Lewis Dunk in my FPL team thinking, yes, this is a straight-up clean sheet against a team who's already pretty much relegated. Um, but Sheffield United played with heart, didn't they? They they wanted it more than Brighton did, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think that, that... That isn't, for me, a concern. I don't think that Brighton are going to be struggling. I mean, they're technically in a relegation battle, yes, but... I just don't see them struggling, struggling. If you look at the rest of their fixtures, they've got Leeds, they've got Wolves, they've got West Ham, they've got City, and they've got Arsenal. So it's tough fixtures, right? Maybe you can say they're not going to get anything from the last three games where uh, they're playing top 10 top sides. Um, but maybe against Leeds and against Wolves, they can do something there. Um, but, you know, I, I suppose if they lose their next two games or if they draw their next two games... At that point is when I would say that, yeah, they're actually deep doo-doo. Mm. Nice. Um, Ash, I was fighting back the smirks. Uh, yeah, no. I know. I'm watching it. I'm watching it. <laughs> he must be crying behind that. Um, 
So, Ash, going off the energy there, a team that's pretty close to your heart, obviously Leeds United uh, yeah. with sort of your, your uncle. A big game um, at two o'clock. Today's fixtures, we've got Leeds United against Manchester United and Aston Villa against West Brom. So, Midlands derby and then Leeds United, Leeds United versus Manu. Um, not much to play for in terms of positions, but sort of pride. Uh, there could be goals in this one. Man United with one eye on... European football on Thursday. What's your thoughts on the game? Yeah, so the the bit the big game. So my dad and my uncle, I know they're going to be in front of the TV watching this tonight. Um, the issue for me with Leeds at the moment is I think their best player this season um, for me has been Rafinha. I know Dallas has scored quite a lot of goals. I know Bamford has scored like a lot of goals in the Premier League. But whenever I've watched Leeds. And I've seen Rafinha from maybe, like, say, October through to now. He has been, like, it's exceptional. And he's out. And I kind of feel that whenever he's been out, it's kind of just affected them. So the lineups kind of come through. They're going to give them, they're going to give them, like, United a good goal. But what United have been doing as well, similar to what we spoke about with Chelsea, they're not doing anything that's really, um, you don't look at them and be like, wow, this this United team is, is playing great football. They're just ruthlessly efficient. They're settled and they're just getting through stuff. And they're going to do what they're going to do, in it? Like, they're going to find a way. Whether, and what I kind of rate about United as well recently is that they haven't really been relying on Bruno Fernandes. Like, it's been other players who have kind of showed up. I think Pogba's last three or four games have been very good. Like, very, very good. We're seeing someone who, to me, is like probably arguably one of the most talented players in our league kind of just really just step up his level. Um and he's been playing for a number of different systems as well. So they've played the diamond where he's played from the left. He hasn't played centrally. He's played a bit wider as well, but he's still kind of getting into the game, making assists, making key passes, skills, everything that you want to see from Paul Pogba, he's they're doing really well. So I think it's going to be entertaining. I think United win this like 2-1. I think Leeds might, might just about score, but United will just have enough to see it through. Um, and good to see Mason Greenwood um, in good form as well. Um, a, a, a great talent, someone who I really, really like. I know he's been scoring a few goals in a, in, a, in the last couple of games. Yeah. Um, I know my dad's not going to be happy by me saying it's going to be two one, um, but yeah, like definitely good to see Greenwood back in back it back amongst the goals. I think he's the best option on that right hand side as well when he sort of you know shoot first. I think I think at first he was a bit of a one trick pony. Sort of he had a phenomenal laser eye shot, uh, mm. but then the fact he's Popping the ball in, you know, he's getting a few assists and he's running at plays, he's direct. So that'll be good to see. And then Villa, West Brom, um, I've got Ollie Watkins as my fantasy football captain, which is probably, I don't know, we'll wait and see if that's a mistake or not. But um, this is the uh, the perils of having a baby and not looking at your team on a Friday night. So we shall wait and see. But West Brom, Big Sam, can he do it? Can he get another result? Or will they hold a beat into the hands of Aston Villa? We wait and see. Um, Monday night we've got Leicester Crystal Palace now Crystal Palace as we know they're probably already on the beach already they're already on holiday um, you don't even know what you're going to get with Palace well you do know what you're getting with Palace this season they've not been great but Leicester on good form again now with Vardy linking up with Iheanacho and they destroyed West Brom the other day and now Madison back from sort of being exiled of being being out and about They've got FA Cup final to build on. And um, I don't think anyone can see past the Leicester win for this one. Um, 
I'm really liking Ianacho Calden. I don't know your thoughts about him and the way Leicester have been turning it around. Um, yeah, I do like Ianacho. Um, I've been watching him quite closely since he won Player of the Month, and um, I'm realizing that he's actually a little bit rash, man. Like, you know, there's times when I would just want him to be a little bit more calm and composed. You know, I don't know. There's times when I see him in positions, and I think if that was someone like Ozil, like the way Ozil played the game, like he was the most calm and cool and collective player you ever see, um, and and he could make really great decisions because of that. But I think sometimes maybe Inacho rushes what he's going to do. Like like for me being a defender, whenever I get a, a chance at goal, I just get the rush of blood to my head and I start panicking. I'm like, oh my god, oh my god, I'm going to shoot. What am I going to do? And I miss the shot. And I think he does that kind of thing sometimes. Um, but Credit to him, even though he does fluff some chances, like he fluffed an absolute incredible chance on his right foot on his weaker foot um, last week. And um, was that where <laughs> is that where he brought the ball down? Like they they're, they're already like two three nil up, and he brought the ball down with this tremendous bit of skill, and then he just blazed it over from yeah like 10, yeah, yeah, yeah that was yeah, yeah. I was going to talk about that touch was phenomenal. That was I mean this is the thing like he, he he's a good player he's got techers and he uh, but it's just that end product finishing that's what's let him down in recent seasons right but this season he's picked up the towards the second half of the season he's picked up the end product and it's just can he consistently keep scoring goals i think he will and uh, and i think if he can work on his composure to just be a little bit more all right i'm going to make the right decision i'm going to put the ball here and i'm going to be calm and you know maybe instead of passing I'm going to shoot maybe instead of shooting I'm going to park there's a couple of times when you, when, when you think you see him and you think he gets the wrong chooses the wrong decision you know um, but there's a player in him man there's definitely a real player in him and um, and I do like seeing a, a skillful Nigerian kind of reminds me of the days when we used to have a quite called Kanu at Arsenal you know? mm, mm, mm. yeah I think he's confidence player his confidence was shot at Man City and then he took a while to uh, get in the team with Leicester but now uh, Mike uh, Rogers trusts him and it's looking good for Leicester fans another player that Rogers trusts is Fofana someone that we all like the young French striker uh, he came through with uh, Saliba who obviously hasn't seemed to quite make it at the minute with Arsenal obviously there being sort of personal problems or sharpness with Saliba but Fofana who is fasting during the month of Ramadan and I just want to take this moment to sort of say hello to everyone who is taking part in the fast, uh, the month of Ramadan, you know, all our Muslim listeners. Um, Ramadan Mubarak. And Fafana is someone who Rogers is keeping a close eye on, especially during this time of fasting and sort of good player uh, management, just keeping an eye on him. He's a young lad. He's opening his fast just before the game. He's playing 60 minutes at one point. And I think he's put on an amazing performance and he's definitely in contention for young player of the season. Um, he went to a back three uh, with Soyuncu, who they've got back now, and Johnny Evans, who popped up. And uh, it's the fourth game that Leicester have started with those three at the back, and it's their fourth win of those three. And their third clean sheet, so three at the back's working really well, and to have experienced defender with Johnny Evans supporting for final can only be a good thing. So um, it's good that this has made the news, and there's quite a few players who are fasting and, and, and celebrating, um, you know, uh, Ramadan. Yeah, whatnot, I think... So. Um, I think it's a really nice touch from Rogers there. So it's, it's a great story there in the Leicester Mercury about um, how Rogers has kind of recognised that Fofana has this, you know, religious practice, um, and you know, and he's spoken about how um, 
he's he's kind of just talked up his admiration for the player and said how you know he thinks he's found incredible strength to play and to train during Ramadan. Like the guy's not eating all day and he's running up and down. And so you know Rogers is actually taking him off, substituting him so he can go and get something to eat. I think that's just it's a great piece of management. I'm happy to highlight that it's a brilliant piece of management from Rogers there looking after one of his players. Nice. Right, moving on. Uh, the big game of the weekend, the cup game, Manchester City, Spurs. Obviously, the, the result would have happened as uh, you're listening to this because we record Sunday afternoon. Um, massive game for Spurs fans. Big for Man City. Pep Guardiola in the news recently and he's a uh, match game talks and um, talking to the media is all about momentum, keep keeping the momentum, keeping the winning mentality, one win, one win, keep going, keep going to take them through to the, obviously the, the treble. They were on for the quadruple, didn't quite work out, losing to Chelsea last week and Man City, I think Ashley were looking, I don't think they've lost the yeah, three, game yeah. in like three years, is it? Yeah, so if they win this year, they will be their third in a row. Um, I think it's quite telling because it kind of started um, when Mourinho first came in, like the first trophy of the year is like the most important. And there's a lot of emphasis that used to be put on this cup. This cup used to be a big cup. Then <clears throat> in early 2000s, a lot of managers just used it as um, a competition where they can blood young players. And it wasn't until maybe like the semifinals that anyone took it seriously. Mm. City have really been taking it seriously. I think this would be their fourth trophy, the fourth, their fourth time they've won it um, since Guardiola's been here if they win today. Um, so it's an important trophy for them. But when you look at the grand scheme of things in terms of what Man City have got coming up this week with PSG twice um, within six days, it is a big game for them, but I wouldn't be surprised if maybe a couple of players are left out to ensure that they are able to play their best team um, on Wednesday. Um, I still expect Man City to beat Tottenham. Um I think as much as Ryan Mason's kind of come in, um, obviously Mourinho got, got 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 removed from his job this this week. Um, I think I think the fact that Kane might not be there, um, and just I'm never too sure who's going to play centre back for Tottenham um, means I genuinely fully expect um, City to yeah to run away with it. Um, maybe like. Two, two nil or three one. I think. Yeah, I think if City score early, it could could be it could be that. I don't think Tottenham had the ability to make it a tight game. Um, and eventually, I mean, the last time they played, it was three nil, but it genuinely could have been six or seven. Like Tottenham got absolutely battered. But the one thing I would say though is, I think Tottenham haven't won a league a, a trophy since two thousand eight, um, and it was this competition as well. So thirteen years is a long time. They are kind of due a trophy. Um, and again, we've had like lots of Tottenham fans on, on here beforehand. If they pulled us a, a surprise, it wouldn't be completely out of this world. But I, mm. I expect City to do it. Without without Harry Kane, uh, it could be interesting. It could be made a lot harder. Obviously, they were successful a few years ago under Pochettino with no Kane mm. uh, getting to the Champions League final. And some say they should have made it, maybe started without Kane in that yeah. final and carried on momentum. Um it's all about seeing who starts for Man City to give you an idea whether they're prioritising the PSG. Obviously, they've got to take it one t- game at a time. I think they prioritise this cup game and then they look to see who they can introduce for the PSG game over two, over two, over the two legs. Uh, 
reports are that Mbappe could be injured, although that could just be media. So watch this space. Right, moving on to news. The so-called Super League, the so-called top six clubs, which made me laugh because I, I, I wouldn't consider Arsenal or, or Tottenham really a, a super club uh, in terms of sort of what they've achieved in Europe. Um, and it's a bit of a bit of a slap in the face to fans all over, not only in the teams that were involved, but sort of teams in this country and the rest of Europe. Um, I, I saw it all blow up on social media and WhatsApp and whatnot. And then there was reports of fans going to different stadiums, uh, kicking the protest off. I know Chelsea fans started it all off, in which Ryan on our podcast likes to remind us that they were sort of first doing so. <laughs> and then Spurs and Arsenal and other clubs. Um there's been a number of apologies from the owners to managers and to fans. And it was a number of American owners, really, sort of maybe not quite grasping the concept of what football means in this country or the idea of relegation and promotion and the history. And it was sort of an all a massive farce. And then teams slowly started to pull out one by one. I think Barcelona at first proposed the idea, uh, along with Madrid. Obviously, there's a lot of money that's being lost or people are in debt. And this could be a way of generating some some money. I'm not for it. I think it was a terrible idea, and it's sort of blown up, uh, which I was quite surprised. That I thought it sort of people just rubbish the idea, and it it wouldn't go any further. But it's carried a lot of legs, and it's it's even spoken about in Parliament. Um, Carol, what were your thoughts on the news as it broke? Sorry, the news. Which news exactly? Just that the idea of like a, a super league, a European super league with some of the English teams breaking away with the other teams in Europe and, and leaving the Prem and, and leaving UEFA and, and merging so, together. Like it's, it's something we've spoken about on our podcast before. And I think at the time I said it, it uh, to me, it just sounded like a cash grab. It seemed like a huge cash grab uh, from FIFA trying to break away and form this uh, super league. And that. UEFA probably wouldn't be happy about it because it seems like what this competition is going to do is it's going to take away a little bit from the Champions League. It's kind of going to make be become the premier competition, which in turn would make the Champions League the, the secondary competition, the Europa League, the, the third kind of competition in Europe. Um, and then the domestic leagues kind of go down a notch as well, don't they? They become lesser than the Champions League. Um, so... Yeah, it's something that would have had a huge impact on the game. I didn't like the idea of it. Um, now that it's actually been officially been, I don't know what the word to say is really, uh, proposed. It's more than a proposal, isn't it? Because teams actually signed an agreement and they said, yeah, we're, we're actually going to do it. So, you know, um, I think Florentino Perez was the, uh, the, Real Madrid, the Real Madrid president, was the one heading the, the effort. And he was very disappointed when all of the, the clubs pulled out. Um, so from my perspective, I just think, yeah, it definitely seemed like it was all about the money. Uh, and it was, you know, really these huge presidents, these, these billionaire club owners looking at football clubs as a business and as a way to make more money from their business. Well, obviously us fans, football for us, it's more than just, a bit, it's, you know, it's not like 
you go into a store and you buy some clothing or you go uh, into a restaurant and you buy some food. It's not just like a product or a service. It's it's our life. It's 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 it means so much to us. You know, you buy a ticket, you buy a shirt, you're, you're always talking about it. You have a whole culture that revolves around it. You know, uh, you go to the stadium and people kind of feel like family. Mm. And you know, and you, you, like it's, I don't think these owners actually really understand that. That's the problem, and that's why they tried to do something like this. And they probably didn't envisage that there'd be such a backlash to it. Um, but yeah, I think football has won in the end because the, the, if you actually drill into the details of this Europa Super League, it kind of looks like it's going to be uh, an American style system american sports style system so kind of like what they have in mls um and i wonder like how competitive would that league actually be if nobody can get relegated from it like how great would it be to watch arsenal play real madrid a couple of times every week <laughs> not, like every not season. great at the moment <laughs> you're, playing, you're playing all the time yeah i mean yeah i think i tweeted um not great that, you know we, we would swap being 10th in the premier league for being bottom of the europa Super League. Like, what's the point? There's, there's, there was, and also I think another negative impact that Super League would have had is because the clubs would have been making so much money, it would have raised the prices. Like, imagine Arsenal now trying to sign a player, and they knowing that Arsenal's been given three hundred and fifty million just for forget for being in the um in the Super League, and that the clubs are going to be making billions. They're going to put their prices up. They're going to say, oh, Arsenal interested in my player. All right, I want 100 million for him. You know, the next Neymar could potentially have been a billion pound player because Super League players have the money to to buy him and pay that, you know, and when they start competing with each other, it's just going to drive the prices up and up and up. So I think it would have been really bad for the game, to be honest with you, and just really good for the owners. They would have been making more money. Well said. Ash, views on the uh, Super League and then the whole sort of <clears throat> fans protesting, showing that fans have a voice and their voice matters. Yeah, I think I think the fans protesting makes makes perfect sense. I think the the the, the hatred of it from the likes of Sky, BT, all of those kinds of things is a little bit like they they profit from 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 these things all the time, right? I think <clears throat> the there's a difference between kind of the how and the what. So a super league coming in is an issue. I think the bigger issue is how it came out. So obviously everyone was sitting down watching football. These statements came out on like team websites. Players were like, what's going on? Like no one knew what was going on. Managers didn't know what was going on. It, it kind of just sm- it smacked of just like just a few people in the room thinking, oh, yeah, we're, we're bigger than the game. And I think as bad as the idea is, as just saying this isn't this isn't a good idea and what Kyle's speaking about in terms of like the money and how it kind of stretches out and how it goes down the pyramids and stuff like that and how the, the rich get richer, the how is the bigger issue here. It's almost like the sense of entitlement saying we can just tell people that we're going to do this and people are going mm-hmm. to come along with it as opposed to kind of saying let's speak to the club, let's speak to the things because... I think a Super League, while I don't believe in it, Arsene Wenger's been speaking about it for like the last 10 years, saying that it's inevitable that one day something like this will happen because UEFA have a monopoly on European football. So the European teams may want to take some of that. I remember every single year that they, they get stronger, they get more powerful, they get more money. They will want to kind of take control of maybe like their own branding and, and where they are 
and those kinds of things. But I think the how is the biggest issue here because they just came out saying, we're doing this. Everyone, like the 12 clubs had a statement on their thing saying, we signed up to this, like more news to come. But you haven't spoken to players, you haven't spoken to fans, you haven't spoken to managers, you haven't spoken to, to, to the people who actually make the club tick. Mm-hmm. And I think that to me is what was one of the biggest elements of it anyway. Um, lots of people just want to get richer. We, we live in a capitalist world. So why the, the fact that there is a Super League doesn't surprise me whatsoever. Um, I just think the way they went about it was disgusting. Um, but don't get me wrong, it may go quiet now, but I, I, I won't be surprised if there's not another kind of plan or another kind of discussion about a Super League in the future. See, the, the thing about this is I do kind of believe in that principle of capitalism <clears throat> where an individual should be free to do whatever they want to do. It should be free market, you know? Like, if, if we decide that what we want to do is we want to sell some kind of podcast-related merchandise, there shouldn't be anyone stopping us and saying, no, you can't do that. Mm. So I can kind of see why, you know, these clubs would think, yeah, we should be able to sell our football club product uh, and just create a new league and just do what we want to do. But it's, it's, it's just because of the way that football is, because it's like a, a religion almost. <laughs> it's, it, it's beloved by the people. And there are these structures that have been in place for hundreds of years. Like, God knows, I, I, I'm not a historian. I can't tell you the exact date that, you know, the, the football leagues were established. And But it's it's been going for a very long time. Um, and so for these guys to suddenly, you know, how, how long have they even been owners? Like the owners of Real Madrid, the owners of Arsenal, the owners of Manchester United. How long have you been here in this country, in this league? And then you're going to start to create a whole new competition from just going to invent it out of thin air. I think it's rude that they did. It's 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 actually mm. it's offensive. That they yeah, no, nah, it is. Like it just shows just how entitled people are. But you know what it is? Sometimes when like what we got to remember is these people are owners. They're wealthy people. Maybe they haven't heard no before. They've got these ideas and they've had successful ideas before. So they're almost like, oh, this will be a success and people will just kind of come online and they'll buy into this and they'll do this and they'll do that. When actually, no, like there's due diligence, there's proper processes that have to be kind of followed. And it, it just smacks of just being self-entitled. Our vidras mm. come off, bloody hell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's just, it just, it just speaks of that. And it's just, it's almost like they thought they were so untouchable they could just put a statement out on websites and everyone would be okay with it. Like, do you know how crazy you have to be to be in line with that that that, that level of thinking to just be like, yep. I think entitled is a good word. I, I honestly think they were disrespectful. I think yeah. they've kind of treated football fans Disrepute. like just mm. customers, but we're not customers, man. Mm. You know, like I say, we don't just line up and 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 buy some clothing or, or go to a restaurant and buy some food like we are supporters there's a there's a totally different thing going on in football than what there is in other industries and that's that's just something that these these people are completely out of touch with yeah agreed it was really good to see the fans voice their anger and their views and as a result sort of a domino effect english teams dropping out of it i know the german teams weren't involved at all at the beginning they've got a bit more uh, fan involvement with with ownership in that part uh, but watch this space I mean I, I think it's been uh, not been forgotten but for the time being people have moved on and there could be another sort of reprisal or a new approach with some other teams down the line the, the Champions League 
people could argue is a sort of super super league with the best of the best in Europe and then that generates the big money. The Premier League, we're already seeing a massive divide between the top boys, the top teams in the Premier League, and then those in the second division, the, you know, the, 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 you know, not Ryman's league, that's showing my age there, but the, <laughs> the lower leagues that sort of going into administration or, or the, you know, in desperate need of fans to support them. Um, so it's important listeners, you know, when we can all go back and watch football, try and go to grassroots games, trying to go to semi-pro games or lower league games, even if, you know, they might not be your team, support them. It's important that we sort of club together and support them there. Right, I'm conscious of time. I'm just going to pass it over. Injury time, extra time. Is there anything we want to add before we start to sign off for another great episode? Champions League predictions. <clears throat> the champions! I said all English teams... Oh, so just so we got it on, on mm. paper. Oh, we've got it on record. I thought all English teams for both finals. I think PSG are beatable as well as Man City are, but I think it's it's Man City's time. I think Chelsea with Tuchel could, you know, he's been... I think they've got maybe a bit more sort of sprightliness and, and spark and defensive solidarity to edge past Real Madrid. And I think Man United and Arsenal could pull it out the bag. Arsenal obviously need to put in some performances of a lifetime. And uh, yeah, let's see all English teams. That's my views. And then to win it, I would say it's going to be uh, Man City. Wow. Cal. Yeah. Boy, I mean, to be honest with you, I would like to see Man City win the Champions League under Pep. I do think that's the only thing he really needs to do um, for Manchester City is to just try and win the Champions League and to make them that club. Um, but... I honestly, I, I do like PSG as a bit of a wild card. I think Mbappe is in great form. He's, he's scoring goals in the league consistently. Um, Neymar playing in this kind of number 10 role is, is bearing fruit for um, for PSG. Um, you know, they've beat Bayern Munich. Yeah, I know Lewandowski wasn't playing, but I think they can beat Manchester United. I think they've got... Because Man U's defence can be a bit dodgy at times. And with the skill of, of Neymar and with the pace and the finishing of Mbappe, that is, that, that is, whoo, I just think Man United could be in trouble. And if PSG get to the final, I mean, they're going to be hungry. They've got the taste for it from last season. So I'm going to go with PSG, man. Mm, Ash? I think the winner of City and PSG win the Champions League. Um, I, I've... Mate. I've had a lot of stocks in PSG for a long time. Um, yeah, I think I think PSG do it this year. I just think it's it's time. Man City are probably as best equipped as, they, as they've ever been, but I just don't something. I just can see something going wrong. I can just see something going wrong for City. Um, they weren't completely um, they weren't completely comprehensive against um, Dortmund, but obviously, I feel like. With 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 PSG, they played Bayern Munich already, so they've kind of almost exercised the biggest ghost from last year already. Mm. Now it's just kind of theirs to lose because they they probably toppled arguably the best team in Europe um, by doing that. Um, I know City are being like good, but they've had a couple of like wobbles. Like Chelsea were able to kind of beat them last week in the FA Cup um, semi-finals. Um, even Villa kind of ruffled their feathers as well. It'll be, it'll be interesting to kind of see what happens with that. Um, I think Real Madrid will see off Chelsea. Um, and in the Europa League, 
Yeah, let me not talk on the Europa League still. Because my yeah, team, yeah, my team's in it. I wouldn't be surprised if, like, yeah, like, case of the X, like, Emery comes just as a madness. I wouldn't I wouldn't put it past him. Because he's, like, he's skilled in this competition. Like, he's won it three times, got us to a final. He knows how to get to a final in this competition. And he's going to want to show Arsenal what they got rid of in it. So, so yeah, I think I can't, I can't call the Europa League at all. I don't want so, to either. On, on that note, I've got to say, I just realised I mixed up my Manchester's, didn't I? Oh, Obviously, yes. It's United yes. in the Europa League it's and it's fun. City in the Champions League. But but I still think that PSG can beat Manchester City, although Man City will want to win it. I, I want I want PSG to win that. And in the Europa League, whew, I mean, I, I, I don't know that much about Villarreal, to be honest with you, but I want Arsenal to win the Europa League, of course. Um, and uh, I don't think Roma are that great a team. I watched them in the uh, in the sem- in the quarterfinal, and I don't think they're that great against Ajax. So yeah, I I expect to see a Man United Arsenal final, and then it's anybody's uh, anybody. It's a coin toss, really. Watch this space. Let us know your thoughts. Let us know who you're following, who you're supporting um, at all the social media outlets. We've got at Podcast Play On at beer at bants that's on twitter and instagram let us know your thoughts and don't forget to watch out for the weekly videos in terms of fantasy football um another great episode no guests this week but we didn't need it the team stayed strong we made it it's like when you go to sunday league and everyone turns up and you don't need any ringers you don't need anyone sort of last minute from the side of the pitch but thank you for listening make sure you subscribe tell a friend and we look forward to having your ears again thank you ash peace guys and thank you, Cal. Cheers. So many talking points that we didn't cover, but we're just going to have to let it go, aren't we? God damn it. Let it go. The Champions League format. The new format of the Champions League. That's the talking point. The, 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 the Europa Conference League. <laughs> Who's going to qualify for the Europa Conference League? That's the talking point. Ah, oh, Well, maybe hit us up on social media. Maybe we can continue the conversation. Definitely. There's the, the, there's the uh, talk of social media. There's the Premier League players taking a bit of a break or a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? They're not going to strike. They're not going on social media. Yeah, three days, right? Yeah, like that's going to make a difference. I mean, you know, I'm being real, man. It's, you know, until we get verified, until people have to share their ID or passports or their driving Mm. license to go on social media, this is going to keep going, which is unfortunate. Um, So many talking points, as Cal said, but there are only so many minutes in a day and so many minutes on a podcast. We're going into extra time, 97th minute, Fergie time. Thank you for listening and have a good week. Peace.